1: Helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit NETSKOPE.com. Fancy Bear is spotted snuffling around the French presidential election. Denmark and Bulgaria also report bearish activity. Sino-U.S. pressure on North Korea may foreshadow an uptick in the cyber-op tempo. Power failures prompt worries about the grid's fragility. Milky Door's trojanized Android apps pose a BYOD threat to businesses. WebRoot is fixing its AV misunderstandings with Windows. And another Ashley Madison extortion caper surfaces. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, April 25, 2017. As expected, reports of Russian intelligence services working to influence French elections have surfaced. Security company Trend Micro reports that the threat actor it calls Storm, also known as APT-28 and Fancy Bear, and generally identified as an operation of Russia's military intelligence service, the GRU, has been fishing the campaign of Emmanuel Macron. Trend Micro says the tactics, techniques, and procedures in play are essentially those successfully used against the U.S. Democratic National Committee during 2016's U.S. presidential election. The French security agency NC has confirmed that the attempts occurred and that, quote, it's the classic operation procedure of Pawnstorm, end quote. Mindful of the difficulties of attribution and the possibility of false flags, however, ANSI declined to attribute the operation to any particular nation-state. What the fishing accomplished is so far unknown, but Fancy Bear is known to hang on to stolen emails for long periods of time, waiting for the right moment to release them for maximum effect. The campaign against centrist popular outsider Macron is thought to be intended to benefit rightist populist insurgent Marine Le Pen, but that speculation is at this point circumstantial. Fancy Bear has been busy elsewhere, too. Denmark's Minister of Defense says the Russian service has been aggressively pawing at his ministry's networks for the past two years. Bulgaria's president, Rosen Plevneliev has also gone public with accusations that an unnamed threat actor based in Russia sought to interfere with Bulgaria's 2015 local elections. Tensions continue to rise over North Korean nuclear and long-range missile programs, with China and the U.S. assuming the roles, respectively, of good cop and bad cop. The good cop seems to be losing his temper with the perp, however. Chinese economic sanctions appear to be biting with effect, and while public statements by China's president and others continue to call for U.S. restraint, there's an unmistakable tone of impatience in communications directed at Pyongyang. An increased cyber-op tempo can be expected in this dispute. Last week's brief power outages in New York, Los Angeles, and San Francisco, while apparently not caused by any cyberattacks, have nonetheless raised concerns about the electrical grid's vulnerabilities to disruption by cyberattack. ICS security expert Joe Weiss points out that, quote, one breaker failed in PG&E's Larkin Street substation. This one breaker in one substation brought the city of San Francisco to its knees, end quote. Thus, he warns that the North American grid remains too susceptible to takedowns, with single points of failure capable of producing large cascading effects. The Cyberwire is proud to be a media partner for the upcoming Borderless Cyber Conference in New York this June. Eric Berger is a research professor of computer science at Georgetown University, and we spoke to him about the event.
0: The goal is to bring together people from uh, both the site, private sector, public sector, and as importantly policymakers. And the the goal here is to evaluate and debate and collaborate on cyber threat intelligence information sharing. So what the technology is, but more important, especially given our target, uh, what are the best practices and uh, you know, sort of things that you can actually take away and use.
1: So this is a two-day event. Can you take us through some of the some of the highlights, some of the uh, the keynotes?
0: Sure. So you know, sort of the the goal and and the overarching theme for this year's uh, edition of Borderless Cyber is what we call changing the economics for computer network defense. Uh, historically, it's been pretty inexpensive for the bad guys to attack systems, and it's been pretty expensive to defend them. And so the industry uh, and researchers have been looking at how can we change those economics to make it more economical to defend as well as raise the costs of attacks for the attackers. So kind of with that theme, we'd be talking about and hearing about uh, how people are actually deploying uh sort of proactive and reactive threat intelligence and automation so kind of figuring out the attacks before they come but especially with the focus on information sharing uh, you know what else is out there and what do i need to be concerned about Uh, looking at different strategies for changing those cyber economics you know how do we decrease the cost of defending increasing the cost of the attacks And really, you know, a bit practical as well, the lessons from the trenches. You know, how are other people in the industry protecting themselves? Now, one, you know, part of our target audience is it's mostly looking at the C-level executives, the CISOs, and even uh, CIOs and CFOs. Uh, So we have a lot of focus on not just, you know, here's this particular tool that implements Uh, taxi and sticks. But this is what it means for the corporation. This is what it means to the business and why as a business owner or, or an owner of a significant part of like the risk portfolio, you need to be aware of and what other people are doing in this sector.
1: That's Eric Berger. The borderless cyber event takes place in New York the 21st and 22nd of June 2017. Trend Micro researchers have also announced discovery of an Android backdoor, they're calling it Milky Door, designed to use vulnerable Android devices as a point of entrance into corporate networks. About 200 trojanized apps infected with Milky Door have been found in Google's Play Store. They appear to be originally legitimate apps, mostly of a recreational kind, that have been repacked and republished by criminals. Security firm Webroot is in the process of fixing its widely used antivirus solution. Its automated features are misidentifying benign Windows files as malicious, and it's also stopping legitimate apps that ride atop those files. Bad definitions of dangerous files were, according to Webroot, live for about 13 minutes yesterday before being taken down. The company is working on a remediation for its user community. The alleged mastermind behind the Kilohost botnet was indicted by U.S. authorities last Friday. Pyotr Lavashov is being charged with eight crimes. Mr. Lavashov is currently being held by Spanish police, and the U.S. is seeking extradition. And finally, Ashley Madison is back in the news. A group of extortionists are sending emails promising to expose users of the adultery facilitating site unless they pay hush money. As the criminals say, quote, On May 1st, 2017, we are launching a new site, Cheaters Gallery, exposing those who cheat and destroy families. We will launch the site with a big email to all the friends and family of cheaters taken from Facebook, LinkedIn, and other social sites. This will include you if you do not pay to opting out, end quote. If you get such an email, remember, paying up will probably do you no good. ...so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps... ...keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good... Visit strata.io slash Cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash Cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by David DeFore. He's the Senior Director of Engineering and Cybersecurity at Webroot. Uh, David, welcome back. Uh, I know a, a hot topic for you, something that uh, that you are particularly interested in, is this whole notion of the Internet of Things and uh, trust when it comes to the supply
2: chain. Yes, David. And once again, thanks for having me back. And, and you know, I could really talk your ear off on this supply chain of trust. It's It's, it's a big deal to me. Um, and I think it's it's one of the biggest gaps we're seeing in the security market related to IoT devices. Well, let's dig in. Where do things break down? So, so we we see a lot of velocity and new ideas in in both software and hardware coming out. Um, you know, people are manufacturing things, prototyping solutions, and and where there's this, a lot of times a security breakdown is not necessarily just in the design side that they didn't build security in, but also where they're OEMing their solutions from. So let's say I'm making a widget and I want that widget to be Wi-Fi enabled. Well, I'm going to go out and and I'm not going to build a Wi-Fi radio. I'm going to go buy one off the shelf from a manufacturer who's already made it. And if I've not taken the time to understand where that chip's coming from, the firmware required to run that chip, and the susceptibility of that chip to be able to be hacked, then I'm actually building into my, my prototype or even my go-to-market solution some very unsecure uh, technology that is susceptible to hacking.
1: You know it's a real challenge with IOT devices and and knowing you know like you say, what's deep down inside on that circuit board. I've heard people mention that perhaps what we need is something along the lines of like underwriters laboratory, where there's someone who's uh, certifying these devices, you know, digging in and making sure that they have a certain level of security. do you, Do you have a take on that?
2: So I, I, I absolutely think um, that's where we need to go. I think we're a long way from that. it's It's the wild West right now. Uh, I I don't necessarily want to wait for the government or some organization to come around and and, and form that. Uh, But I will not disagree long term. That's the solution we need to take a look at.
1: So how should we approach this? I mean, obviously, I've heard people say, you know, well, don't just buy that no name webcam off of Amazon. But, you know, we've had situations where even well-known name brands have these sorts of problems as well.
2: Well, that's true. And so there's two sides to this. If you're the consumer who's who's buying these products, you want to take the time, do some research. Uh, you're not going to know what's built into the device, but, but try to buy from reputable companies that, that have a good track record. Um, and if you're the manufacturer, uh, a really good example of someone I've, I've talked to before about how they handle this kind of a fun company called Taser, um, that that they make those uh, things that'll you know shock you. Um, they have they actually put together a team internally of of hardware um, folks, their software folks, um, and their security folks, and they have this team vet all the products they're bringing in to take a look at how they're going to integrate those, ensure the security exists, and and, and they're, they're very diligent about uh, putting a team together and reviewing this. And I think until we have those those organizations that can tell us what, what products are good or bad, um, as a manufacturer, you really have to take the time to get those security guys together with the software guys, get together with the hardware folks.
1: Good information as always. David DeFore, thanks for joining us.